When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in everybody to another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike. You can find me on Twitter at Iowa Michael, and I'm joined in person at his house in his basement, the man cave, by my good buddy Adam. Say hi to the people, Adam. We're doing this together. This is amazing. Let's go, baby. Live and in person, the 4D Chess Dynasty podcast gets McNutted and ATM together in person for the first time. Mike, it's Expo Week. We got a lot of excitement over here. Um, I got news for you. We always love doing this podcast. Today's no different, but when this is over, we're going to have a lot of fun too. A lot of talk about football oh all gosh. weekend. Well, we told you we did a podcast with Bob, Bob Long, maybe a month ago. Episode 23. Yeah, wow. A while ago. Mm-hmm. Wow, holy shit. Uh, feels like forever ago. Time is flying, but we'd planned it out. We were already coming to the expo and, uh, now it's actually here, right? I flew in last night. Uh, we stayed up way too late. But we didn't want to record beforehand because we're like, hey, let's do it together. We've never done a cast together. So we just got done recording the trade show. Now we're going to do the uh, 4D Chess podcast, baby. Let's do this. Let's talk about it, man. We uh, Mike gets in late. You know, we're excited. We're talking, this and that. Next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. We got a long weekend ahead of us, but I got, I got a feeling that even riding on the fumes, I'm going to have a lot of fun today. So let's talk it up, Mike. Listen, we are in for one hell of a weekend. Uh, I'm really enjoying being here already, and we haven't even started some of the real fun festivities, right? The Airbnb, uh, our patrons, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. Some of those guys are coming in, right? Hell yeah. We got a, we got a, we got a, we call it shit manor. Um, we got a big house with a bunch of people, so um, we're, we're excited, man. We get to meet Ray, uh, some of the other Destination Debbie guys. This uh, be great gonna be a lot gonna be a lot of fun so um but let, what, what are we talking about today mike T- let's talk to the people all right so what's going on in the space right now and i've sent out a couple of tweets that maybe uh seem 
like I'm taking shots at people. No shots at anybody. Uh, just so everybody knows, like, you know, Scott and Eric have a fabulous podcast on this network. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, America's Game comes out on Saturdays, I believe. Yep. I think they just did their third episode, maybe fourth. I may be wrong. I can't count. I'm dumb. We were listening to uh, this morning. Absolutely. Um, but Scott and Ray and some of the patrons were talking in the Heisman, patreon.com forward slash all gas. That Discord. Fantastic, too. You guys should definitely check that out. But about values of J.K. Dobbins or like Antonio Gibson, um, we can kind of throw Cam Akers in there, too, Adam. I think you've seen it uh, around the space uh, for sure about what do we do with these kind of running backs, right? And one of the differences like Scott and I have is his love for wide receivers and my love for running backs. Like we're, we're kind of polar opposite on it. Uh, Scott does a wonderful job of just volume playing uh, like those undrafted free agent type running backs. Anybody who's got a shot, like really good at identifying those guys. And just, if I hit, he's really good about if they hit, then I'm moving them right away. Yep. Yep. Um, Me, the way I like to do dynasty personally, Adam, and I think you'll agree with this. I have a list of about like 15, maybe 16 running backs that I feel comfortable with. And I want three, four, five of those guys on my dynasty teams. Lineup, best ball, doesn't matter. And those guys, the main reason that I like to have them, Adam, is because all those guys I think have shots at RB1 potential. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not even top five. But some of them I think we can say over the years like, uh, last year, I think Leonard Fournette was RB3 on the year. Yep. We didn't see that coming. No way. James Conner maybe was RB5. We didn't see that coming. No chance. Uh, Austin Eckler was up there. I think he might have been RB2 or 3. Najee Harris was up there. We, we saw those guys. JT, obviously, we saw those guys coming. I want to stay in that range of guys that I feel have that potential and could could reach that potential. And I also want to do it with guys that are youthful. Okay, I don't want... I don't want to bank my team on Zeke. I don't want to bank my team on, uh, like, this year. Last year was a different story. But, like, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, like, those kind of guys where I think maybe they're going to fall off. I will invest in them in a contender strictly, but just general dynasty strategy, I kind of lean the youth, right? I want guys that maybe two, three more years because I know that they hold their value. Now, another difference I think Scott and I have – that we've discussed is trade value and Scott is a volume player an absolute fucking legend with the amount of leagues that he plays in and the amount of trades this guy probably sends out on a weekly basis where you know he's got 20 30 percent shares and he's he's spamming you know 20 offers sure which is wild like I I can't do that (laughs) I I don't I don't know if I got the patience to deal with people in trade talks, you know, because you get the screenshots of the trade calculators. Why would I do this? You know, this trade calculator, Bob. Fuck. <laughs> right? Or every time you seem to go to trade for somebody, they're like, oh, I'm really high on this guy. But every time they come to trade for you and they send you a lowball offer, they're always like, oh, well, I'm not as high on the guy. I'm trying to get off of you. Like, stop with the bullshit. It's a trade game. But right. Scott is really good about that with his amount of trades so the difference that we have is adam we've talked about it our trade value for us what makes sense to us is basing it on startup value 
Right. Now it, we'll, it's a baseline for what we use. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll make adjustments for sure. sure based on our personal ranks, feelings, higher, lower on a player, market value, that kind of thing. But it makes sense to me when I think about in the future, what would this guy be in a startup? So when it comes to J.K. Dobbins or Antonio Gibson or Cam Akers, Adam, let me just ask you the question. What do you think next year? It, I'm not saying these guys smash, but if they just have like baseline years, like J.K. Dobbins, we expect to start slow because of the ACL. Sure. Antonio Gibson, you got the concerns about Brian Robinson. You got the concerns about the Washington offense. You got the concerns about him conceding work. Cam Akers, you have the concerns about the Achilles and how he looked coming back from the Achilles. Um, I know you, you're really high on Cam Akers, rightfully so, in my opinion, too. But we do have some concerns, some question marks about him. But let's just say they have the years that we kind of think that they're going to have. At their age, where do you think they're going next year in startups? Like, not great years, not smash years, not... You know, oh, they they finished top ten or they finished top twelve. They just maybe they finished in that like fourteen to eighteen range, the running back. Where were they valued next year? I think Cam Akers, if he's a if he's RB fourteen on the season to RB eighteen, you know. So I mean, RB fourteen, you're talking high end RB two, but I, I think he probably tread water. Honestly, I think he's probably gonna stay in that range of the late fourth, early fifth. If he does that, obviously, if he plays and has a top 10 season and he's a difference maker at the position he goes up if he's like a you know if he really stinks uh, or shows that he's not got any bursts obviously he goes down but if you're telling me that he plays most of the year he's good not great um i think he probably treads water i think that's very reasonable so if i'm thinking about it i'm thinking all these guys kind of come in next year somewhere in that late fourth early seventh like at worst right. kind of range. Just yep. because it's a running back position, they're on the younger side. They're not completely dead as far as the age curve, the value cliff. Um, if you kind of think of guys like Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery, yeah, uh, both of them going in their fourth year, right? Right. These guys would be going into their fourth year. Both those guys are going in the sixth round, maybe yep. fifth yep. Uh, for, for, Mon- for Monty. Not so much anymore for for Jacobs. Like the panic on Jacobs is fucking insane to me. <laughs> like, yeah, I just watched him go in the tenth round of a startup Ooh, that I did. <laughs> like, that's, that's wild. I mean, the, the the only I think that if they go down, like you're saying, I think it probably stop the bleeding. I think has to stop it, even in this scenario in the sixth seventh round. Because listen, I'll I'll be honest. Even you know, if this class has all the hype and these guys projecting they're going higher than sometimes they normally do. You're talking probably, I don't know, six to eight of them realistically only, though, in the 23 class that are really going to go ahead of running backs that are 24 years old and are looking like they have a chance to get the majority of the work in an, in an offense. So I correlate where I think they may go just on an average year, a down year for some with their age on where I think they're going to be next year in value-wise. Right. Let's talk about rookies because where it comes into is the – the saying or what I've heard is from multiple people. This isn't just Scott or Ray or the Heisman Discord. I've heard the I've heard the random stuff on Twitter, disagreements on Twitter about sell Acres, sell JK, sell Gibson, get any random or late twenty three first and just move on with your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where do the rookies usually come in in startup value terms? which is, again, what we base our 
trade basis on our, our our building block our foundation where do those guys come in usually now if i think just the 22 class we can look at that but let me acknowledge that the 22 class is poop so the guys who are going 8 9 10 11 12 obviously are going to be lower because the 22 class was crap but right we can look and we can easily find where the 21 guys went right we can also find where the 2021s and, and this is all thanks to the fabulous tool that Adico has made, his ADP, pulling the API from Sleeper, making this wonderful sheet. 2022, Adam. Let's start and let's look at 2022, where some of these guys are. And we'll just move back as the classes get better, right? So sure. 2022 was poop. 2021 turned out to be a wonderful class, didn't it? Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yep, sure did. Um, but... Let's acknowledge that we had some concerns because of the whole COVID thing. Nobody, ha- we didn't have a combine. People yeah. were just doing pro days. Most people, like Devontae Smith, didn't even run. Jalen Waddle didn't run. Uh, Jamar Chase ran, but it, it ended up being a good class. Right. <clears throat> 2020, I think, was a phenomenal class. Yeah. And what some people are projecting 2023 to be, right? Yeah. Very, very kind of similar. So if we look at 2022, we'll start there and we'll just kind of go back and we'll give you an idea of where startup adp has these guys yep and keep in mind that these running backs were you know i've acknowledged just average to maybe slightly disappointing you're still looking at guys who are going to go in the fifth sixth seventh round absolutely all right so pick eight do we know who an adp for this year pick eight was we're looking at probably like james cook um we don't have to look at the exact adp but look no, we pull it up Let's look at guys like so James Cook, the one, the Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. The 108 is James Cook. Uh, this is all based on ADP via uh, sleeper. So Chris Olave, 107. James Cook, 108. Sky Moore, 109. George Pickens, 110. Kenny Pickett, oh my goodness, you guys hate Kenny Pickett. has gone to 111. <laughs> my goodness, that's uh, it's hard for me to see. Uh, I can't believe that. And then Jahan Dotson, 112. So when we go take a look here. Now, granted, this class is bad, but let's take a look at what they end up going in the startups. All right, where's Chris Olave going right now? Yep, so Chris Olave, as we go through this to find him, I had to scroll a little bit. 709 is Chris Olave. Okay, Sky Moore was about one of the names on the list. Yep, Sky Moore is the 806. James Cook? James Cook. Where is James Cook? 804. Kenny motherfucking Pickett. 9.08. And let's finish off with our boy, Jahan Dotson. I believe he's in the 10th. 10.06. Okay. So, bad class. That's where they rank. Let's go look at 2021, which ended up being a good class. But let me caveat it, you know, with the things that I said about COVID. Yeah. It didn't have... It, it, it ended up being a really good class, actually. But it didn't quite have the hype of, say, a 2020. Um, but it's still pretty damn good. <clears throat> so, when we look, then... When we go to the ADP of the rookies for the 2021 um, rookie class, man, it's crazy to see some of these values. Uh, 106 was Chase, but we'll start at the 107. So let's go Zach Wilson, 107, Travis Etienne, 108, Javante Williams, 109, Devontae Smith, 110, Mac Jones, 111, Jalen Waddle, 112. And you say you don't like this class. You're crazy. All right. So let's take a look then at the ADP and startups. So, Mike, let's see where. Zach motherfucking wilson zach wilson's at 511 okay starting a little bit earlier travis Etienne was there after um I'm, let's get through this and then i have a really good point to make here uh so zach wilson was 511 you said travis Etienne was what 
407. 407, right? And, and this is where, like I'm going to go ahead and say it now since we started it. This is one of the things why Mike and I use startup values as a baseline because I think a lot of times the values can get convoluted when you talk about what traditional people think and conceptualize as values, right? And then what they do in the rookie draft even. A lot of times it mismatches because here's what happens. In the startup draft, it forces you with everything on the board. You have all your hands are shown. This is what you're going to do because here's what happens. This is where you see all kinds of fucked up stuff. This is something that's actually really important to think about. It's fucked up stuff as far as the way people draft in rookie drafts. And it's also fucked up in the way they value things. Because the startup draft, why we like to use these as a baseline is it forces you to show your hands on all these players are available. You got to make the pick. ADP tells you that one reason why we're higher a lot of times on running backs than wide receivers is this point. These guys, Zach Wilson in the rookie ADP was going ahead of both of these running backs. Both of these running backs are going ahead of Zach Wilson in the startup, right? Zach Wilson is the, what is he, Mike? The 5'11". I mean, Javante's a full round ahead of him at the 4'11". ETN's almost a round and a half ahead of him at the 407. So, uh, tangent rant there, but it's something to really keep in mind. Let's get back to the, all, all the other values. But, so then. but it makes sense, though, because when you have everybody available to you, the full boat, the full allotment, you're not locked in as like a rookie draft where you're like, running backs are running out, I got to get one right now. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. are running out, I got to get one right now. In, in a startup, like you're talking fourth, fifth, sixth round, like you still have other options to go to, other ways to pivot, other people to do it. You have the full boat of what I want to do with my team. Correct. So I think it gives you a better indication of value where maybe ADP from a rookie draft kind of gets a little bit convoluted and people do some wild stuff, which is also why you kind of see people doing the reaches, uh, you know, the Trey Sermon last year, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn the year before. Like those guys where you're like, oh, no, you guys shouldn't be doing that. But when running backs are running out and that's the last one you got, some people are like, fuck, I got to go ahead and – I got to go ahead and take it. Yep. Where in those middle rounds, like that only really comes into play. Like once we start getting in startup, like round eight, nine, 10, 11. Yep. Um, when the positions of like guys you feel comfortable starting week in and week out really start to diminish, then you start to see some more reaches. But yep. generally earlier, it kind of falls in line with ADP for the most part. Like there's some, there's some shifts depending on your league dynamics, but in rookie drafts, you see wild swings because the pool is so much damn smaller. But yep. who else we had? We had Devontae Smith. So, oh. so then uh, we have Zach Wilson, 5'11", um, Travis Etienne, 407. Javante was the 4'11". Uh, let's find the where Smitty, 609. 609 is uh, the Slim Reaper. Who else do we have we need to look at? Waddle. Waddle was the 705. Ooh. Wow, that's a really good value. There was a quarterback, right? Mac Jones. Mac Jones going at Daddy where? Mac. He was really, really late, I remember. The 804. 804, there you go. All right, so this ended up being a good class, and we still got the back-end part, the true back-end part, 8, 9, 10, 11. Like, these guys, 12, these guys going in the 7th and 8th round. Right, Adam? Yeah, so... Smitty, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell. So when you look at it, right, so the the... Essentially, the 112 in startups went at 804. The 111 um, went at, what would that have been? Seven, 705. Yep. And then you had the sixth round was Smitty. Smitty, the one. 678. Yep, 678. So, so you're looking at, you know, 
essentially 108 and later you were getting in the fifth like 107 108 you're looking at fourth fifth and then 19 110 111 112 you're talking a late first those are going sixth round or seventh or eighth round so if we look at the 2020 class one of the things that stands out one of the things that's been in my mind and fits the pattern of everything that we've seen so far is those draft picks in the back half you know i'm talking eight nine ten eleven and twelve the guys right around that range no matter really where the class is they all kind of just end up in the same range this is what history has shown i used to have a great method of pulling it up on a deco's adp you go to 2021 you can go to the player tabs and then you can see where they finished the 2020 season heading in where they were ranked uh, adjustment for whatever reason Maybe because it's just a little bit old, API, that kind of thing. I'm not a technical expert, but the numbers are kind of off. They're they're not how I uh, imagine them. Like, you know, it says Lamar Jackson was the 88th player off the board, which I know is horseshit. <laughs> doesn't exist. Never happened. But let's look at the 2020 class and, like, some of the guys in there. So in the back part of the first round, you're looking at guys like Tua, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, Jalen Rager, Justin Herbert and uh, Justin Justin Jefferson. So these are the guys that are making up the back part. Uh, in some drafts, you're looking at like Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he made it in there a few times, which unfortunately was pretty wrong. But the first thing I did, I went to a couple startups that I did at the time. Superflex, tight end premium, standard stuff, same stuff we play in today. And I, I just kind of wanted to browse, and I wanted to see in actual leagues, money leagues that I'm playing, where these guys were going. And then I uh, I pulled up Keep Trade Cut, their rankings, and I kind of looked at where they were going, where they were valued, too, just to kind of get an idea. But it fits the mold. So uh, Jerry Judy, 7-3 in this league. 7-3. Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, 6-0-8. <laughs> that poor guy. Uh, whoever selected Keyshawn Vaughn at 608, I bet regrets the hell out of that one. Uh, who else we got here? Justin Herbert. I know for a fact I took one Justin Herbert. Oh my gosh. I selected Justin Herbert at the 9-4. So we're talking a guy who was like the 111 and the sixth overall pick. Going in the ninth round in a super flex league. Now we've gotten smarter more wise in Superflex, I would say. Like, you've seen the value of quarterbacks get pushed up, but holy shit. Almost criminal. You know the quarterback that went right before him? <laughs> just a little side note. Dwayne Haskins, the 9-3. So just keep that in mind <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the 8-10. And Jalen Rager, the 8-12. CeeDee Lamb, probably the... Most beneficial, uh, mo the highest ADP player of that time, he went at the 5'7". So, a little bit higher. But you still kind of get a, an aspect or a range of where these players are going. Now, keep trade cut-wise, when I pull up that and where they were ranked at the time in 2020. So, I just went by August of 2020. Herbert, 99th player off the board. 99th. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the 77th. CeeDee Lamb, the 50th. So, pretty accurate, pretty close. Um, and Judy, 55, right in that range. And Jalen Rager, the 82nd player. So, even in a 
loaded, absolute unit of a class. Those guys at the back end of the first and startups are still going to go in the, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, maybe the ninth round. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson. I mentioned earlier, if they have decent years, if they have below average, if they don't meet expectations and smash, you know, like, I think the bar that I set on them is a little bit higher because I expect more out of them. But even if they disappoint, they're Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery. They're still kind of going to go in the same spot next year. Those random 23 firsts to late 23 firsts, like if I'm not convicted on the chances of that possibly being early or being a guaranteed like middling pick, and if that thing's going to be late, give me the fucking running back all day of the week. Give me those guys who are going into the third year at the running back position, who right now are valued in that 10 to 15 range. Like just being, just being honest. That's where a lot of people are. I have them higher, but most people are 10 to 15 range. Give me those guys who have the possibility of exceeding those expectations of outperforming their current ADP of giving you points right now and giving you, whether you like it or not, the way I interpret the warp data and when I look at it, they do give you an advantage over the rest of the field because down to like RB15, RB16, somewhere in that range, they're scoring like somewhere around like 15 points per game, just in regular standard PPR scoring. The guys that come after that, the fall off is massive. And think about the uncertainty of starting some of those guys in like the RB22 RB28, RB32 range. The differences that you have to go through every single week to know who's the most consistent. Like the, think of a guy like Naheem Hines. A scat back, final fantasy points per game may look decent, but you have so many weeks in there where he is inconsistent as hell and actually losing you probably more weeks than he's winning you. So... When I look at the running back position, especially just because these are the guys that are that are coming up, the scarcity of it, I want those guys in that 15, 16 range or better. And I want the young ones, and I want the ones who have the ability to outproduce that, to outperform it. You know, if Antonio Gibson goes out and runs for 1,400 yards and gets 12 touchdowns and a handful of receptions for a few touchdowns as well, Nobody's going to be shocked or surprised about it, right? Kind of like Joe Mixon. You know, we, we were touting Joe Mixon, how much we like Joe Mixon, how much people should be more in on Joe Mixon. And then last year, he finally delivered. Now, that's not all Joe Mixon. Sometimes the situation gets a little bit better. The offense gets a little bit better, a little more efficient. Maybe that's the case with Joe Mixon. But those are the kind of guys I'm willing to invest in. And especially at the cost. If you're telling me it's one of these late picks or a chance that's mid to late and I don't really see the upside in, in it possibly being early, give me the player. Give me the player because next year I'm no worse for the wear. Like if I, if I don't take the pick right now, if I don't sell Antonio Gibson right now, I can sell him later. I can sell him in season if something's going bad for me. I can sell him after the season if I want to change my direction. Now, 
maybe the acquisition cost of 23 first at the time may be a little bit higher because we do go into those those valleys and Adam and I have talked about it where they kind of get devalued in the season a little bit more but then we have nothing to talk about from you know after the football season in January up through the combine through the NFL draft and the the value goes skyrocket and then right after the draft you get all the rookie camps and the rookie hype but we're kind of getting back into that stage now. Football hasn't actually been played. Real games, real meaningful games haven't been played. And the vets are getting pushed back up again. And the rookies are starting to come down again. So if you wanted to buy back in next August, I think it's a realistic thing that, hey, I wanted to get into rookie picks. I've been holding Antonio Gibson. I didn't like what I see from him. He's still going in the sixth or seventh round of a startup. Now I'll sell for that. Maybe future 24 late first if you wanted to. Or maybe you're selling for a guy who was a late first round pick in 2023, the actual player, which is completely fine for me. So just a few thoughts that I had on it. Adam, what do you say? What is your thoughts on these picks, these these rookies going at the later part? These running backs who are going fourth, fifth, sixth round right now, who people seem to be out of, are you going to sell your running backs for a late, mid to late 23 first round pick? Yeah, I mean, I I guess the case, I don't think I am. The case for it would be, to me anyway, you're taking the pick if you believe it's actually late and you're going to try to use it or move it as an ambiguous pick. And you're thinking, okay, this pick has 23 attached to it and you can move the pick later. I kind of can understand that point. And you feel like J.K. Dobbins or someone like that may not actually be accruing value if they're you know, recovering from this injury and taking time to get there. For me, though, I think when we look at J.K. Dobbins, who's you know a 23-year-old running back with a lot of really good traits, if he has a half of a season where he's struggling or even a full season where he's struggling, I'm not really willing to move him for just a single 23 first, especially if you're telling me it's quote unquote late. Um, if I'm on a contending team, maybe I would try to get rid of him if I know I need a productive season out of a running back. But on a large majority of my teams, I'm not really looking to get out of JK Dobbins for a late 23 first. And to be truthful with you, Mike, I'm probably actually going to, test the market and see, okay, maybe this pick of mine, this 23 first pick of mine, actually that I know is like 110, 111, 112, and it's loaded. Let me go see if the J.K. Dobbins guy's a little panicked. And and then the other thing is, too, if this is how the market's set and this is where we know people are panicking on J.K., hey, maybe I get him to kick me some fluff piece back, too. You know, here's my late 23 first, Mike. I want J.K. Dobbins, and you give me back some third or some player that's a dart, like, I would do that almost every single one of my teams, even on the contenders, because I still think J.K. Dobbins is going to eventually bounce back. I don't understand what the rush is to do it right now, too. Like, why? I mean, you're talking about three guys who all have value depression, right? Akers, Akers has it because of the Achilles. Uh, J.K. be coming off the uh, the ACL, and Gibson is. Well, they drafted B. Rob. They the offense is bad. You know, whatever the case may be with Gibson, what why people are panicking on him. Like, if you were going to do it, why couldn't you wait till week three, week four? Um, like, let J.K. get a little bit healthier. 
Let him get work back into the offense. And then the first time he goes out and he puts out 100 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries, like he's bound to do at some point, then sell. Like yeah. if, if you don't believe him. Yeah. Or Cam Akers. You don't think Cam Akers is going to have like a two or three touchdown game this season in that offense? Like, fucking get out of here. He's going to have one or two. Uh, Antonio Gibson, same thing. Like, Brian Robinson picks up the offense slow or, or whatnot, and it's Gibson's show. Like, I fully believe it's going to be, but why sell now, be, like, when they're in the absolute de- depressed part? It's kind of like selling Bitcoin when it's in the, the valley, the gully. It just doesn't make any sense to. Like, why cut your losses now? Unless you think it's going lower, but I would say, Adam, there's not a lot of more ways to go lower than where the hell they are now. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting, too, about these three, for me anyway, Mike, is they're all a little different on how I feel and the way I'm kind of approaching it. So, like, okay, Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins are actually really good examples because what happened? Both of them, and actually what's funny is uh, Akers got hurt first. Dobbins got hurt second. But what did we see? One of the biggest reasons why I was so bullish on Akers and still am is because he came back early. So he came back in the season. We saw him play. I know you're going to look at yards per carry and a lot of these stats and say that he he wasn't actually – they rushed him back. He wasn't right. But if you look at some of these games, go back and watch him lay out Buda Baker. Tell me this guy wasn't at least somewhat right. I'm telling you, if you watch all those games and all of them – for a guy that's coming off of a five months Achilles tear, he actually doing that now is going to have a full off season where he's healthy. So for me, that's where I'm really excited about Acres is where now it's different with Dobbins, right? Because with Dobbins, he comes off this injury, he didn't play at all last year. He is kind of rushing, it seems like, a little bit to get onto the field in camp because he's so dead set on I'm not going to make the pup. Who, who's your source? All this stuff. So with Dobbins, I think. I understand why people would do it because you're thinking he's not going to produce right away because he's not right or he re-injures it or whatever. For me, though, like it it depends on the point of which the value is going. Like if we're talking a single late first round pick, I'm in on J.K. Dobbins. He's too talented for me to just write off his career because he's going to have, I don't know, a, a slow start this year or even if it's a slow season all along. Like he's eventually going to bounce back and be healthy unless this injury is so gruesome that he can't ever run like a normal human again. I, I just don't know that I believe that because we're talking modern medicine and a guy that's extremely talented. For a lot of people, somebody that was a must-have in the 2020 class. Then with Gibson, I think the last thing I'll say is this. Gibson, the panic is a little different because it's not an injury, right? With Gibson, it's, okay, we're not sure what the hell you know, Rivera is going to do. And they drafted B-Rob. Um, McKissick was supposed to go to Buffalo and came back. So it's like the situation, what's interesting about Gibson is he he actually looked, he had really good stats last year relative to the running back position. They draft a running back in the third round and they bring back McKissick. Nothing's happened on the football field and he's gone significantly down in value. For me, Gibson and Akers would be the people I'd want to buy ahead of Dobbins because I think this season – they're going to be able to still be putting up legit points because they're both healthy. I think with Dobbins, you have to understand you're going to miss some time with him as far as him being a probably a, a winning type player as on a contending side. But I'm still willing to bet at a first round pick, a late first round pick especially, that the talent will eventually overplay that situation. The only way I could ever 
really understand if you're going to take the, the single pick. Because if that's one, the best you can get, and two, you think kind of like a 4D thing, you're going to use the ambiguousness of this late pick with something else or whatever and move it for something better than J.K. Dobbins. So if you think you can do that, fine. But if you're going to sit and hold that pick until it's the 23, 110, 111, 112, I don't believe that that player is worth more than J.K. Dobbins come this time next year. I, w- I would agree with that. The, the other like caveat I would put would be on the draft pick, you know, we talk about random 23 first and everybody likes to value mid to late 23 first when you see them in a trade, right? That was what Ray would usually go with on the trade show. Mm-hmm. When I when I look at that, if you did enough research on it and you're on a non-contending team, a rebuilding, obviously in a rebuild we want to get rid of them, but say even it's a multi-year rebuild, you know, we got teams, both of us, where they're in the second or the third year of a rebuild where... I'm not looking to sell the farm, but, you know, I'm kind of interested in maybe a JK or a Gibson. Like, I think I might get, I'm not looking so much 2022, but I'm looking at 2023. But selling for a single draft pick, I think maybe if I was on a team like that, where I really didn't care if I won, and I look at that draft pick and do a good, like, right now this guy's like the 107. But he's like two injuries away or one injury away from being the 103 or being the 102. And it's, if you're telling me J.K. Dobbins or the 102 next year? Oh, easily the 102. The 102, right? <clears throat> right. And, I, and I, would, I would, even if you're telling me this is a 107 type roster yeah. and it's a couple injuries away from potential 103, an earlier pick, I, I, I get it. Go ahead and do that because yeah. you're basically rolling the dice into something that I will say this. If it's 107... And J.K. Dobbins, I think Dobbins might go first, but they're probably in the same range. Yeah. What I do know is if you think it has a chance to get to the 103, J.K. Dobbins is so unlikely this year because of his injury to value jump the 103 out of the 23 yeah. class. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that part. It's just when I hear like random or when people are like, I'll take any 23 first. I think you need some more context around it because any 23 first means like you're comfortable with the 111, the 112. And I'm telling you right now, there's no fucking way for me that I would sell any of those guys, no matter my situation, for a single 111, 112. Like if I knew that's where it was going to be, I'm definitely like, I want the opportunity at the 103, the 104, you know, the 10, a top early first round pick. And like you said, maybe like the 107, the 106 is going to wind up in the exact same range as those guys. So like, that's fine. I'm willing to roll that, roll the dice on it. It's just like when I'm seeing stuff like get any running back and like a contenders first for your J.K. Dobbins or for your Gibson or for your Cam Akers, that's where I go, holy shit. No, like at least for me on the other side, they're like you'd be hard pressed to find a buyer. And I just want to raise my hand and be like, I'm I'm the buyer in every league. I'm I'm that guy. Yeah, I think it depends too. Like on that one, now if being the two for one, I can understand to a certain point, right? Like it really for me depends what the running back that you're getting yeah. back is. Like if you think that you can get a replaceable level running back that's going to give you RB two type numbers just to get you by as the contending side, and you still have the twenty three first, I, I I can understand that move a lot more. But if it's just a strictly a late first. Like I said, I'm not doing it. The only reason, too, another thing to, to touch on here is if if you – everybody's going to dynasty different. So if you want to take this first, right, the only way I would be behind it is if you have the plan and you have 
one, I'd probably think that you are like, if this is something you're just going to hold this pick until you get to the late 23 first and you don't have a lot of picks, right? So two things, one, if you're just going to hold this pick and use it as a late pick and like tap the button on whatever that, you know, receiver, you know, tight end, whatever it's going to be. I don't know if I like that at all. Now, if you have a plan and you have a lot of picks and you are pick hoarding, so to speak, or you have at least like two, three, four picks in the 23 class, and it's going to give you more leverage in that class. Okay. Now we're having a different conversation, right? So it really depends. I think what you're trying to do with your squad, but generically, when you ask me, would I rather have in value a late 23 first or JK Dobbins? I'm going to take JK Dobbins. Now, there are there are arguments, you know. Yes. The twenty three first that pick is going to accrue value because we know picks only accrue value as they go, even the late ones, right? Yes. So you can move it. Where J.K. Dobbins, if he comes out and doesn't play well early, he may he may actually lose a little bit of value as far as what he's currently going at. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe one that his career is over. Two that even if he has a bad season this year, he's going to be left for dead. This is still a three down workhorse running back profile that is coming off a bad injury and maybe loses some value if he has a bad year this year. But I'm still going to be buying into J.K. Dobbins next year unless we're told he's not ever going to play football again. Like, I'm willing to bet on the talent here. Whereas, more often than not, even in deep classes like 23, that late pick, you're going to have a hard time finding a stud running back there. You may find the Justin Jefferson, the receiver type that breaks breaks the mold. Very rarely do you find a late, late first round pick that's a running back that has the profile of a jk dobbins so those would be the things that i think about this whole thing mike and um that's where i'm at i'd rather have jk dobbins but i wanted to make sure we touch on all the points and kind of give both sides of the coin i'm thinking of another guy that i like in the dynasty community seems to have liked for a while now it feels like forever and being here in cleveland it just makes so much damn sense one nick chubb Mm -hmm. and what has Nick Chubb suffered through a few times, right? He tore his ACL once upon a time. And then, what, a bad MCL sprain, I believe, cost him some games. But he's also on the similar thing, like a highly efficient, big play threat running back who's not heavily involved in the passing game and not, I don't think it has fuck all to do with Nick Chubb's ability to catch the football. Like, I've seen him look very fluid and natural. It's just not the way they choose to use him. True. J.K. Dobbins, kind of the similar thing, right? Big play, explosive, highly efficient. Now we got a knee concern, but also, you know, doesn't catch football. It's yeah. it's not his fault, though, that he doesn't catch football. But the last time we saw J.K. Dobbins was in a Ravens offense where they didn't throw the football to the running back. And then we saw last year with all the injuries, they threw the football to the running back a fuck ton, at least relative to where they had been. So does that, when J.K.'s back, does he start getting more involved in the passing game? Like, I don't think Gus Edwards is a pass-catching back, do we? I no, know some people no. like like Tyler Beatty, but who knows? He could just be another Justice. I like Justice Hill once upon a time, and that never materialized. But I get a lot of, like, Nick Chubb kind of corollary, corollaries with J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. And I just can't really see passing on him, you know, getting into his third year. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask one question before we bounce out of here to you. And Dynasty Degenerates, you guys, think about this too. Think about what your answer would be. A random 23 first. Random to late. Like, no context about your team. Nothing, right? Mid to late. Okay. This is what we're going to think. Mid to late. 
Where's the cutoff for you in like a startup that you would take a random 23 first? So right now that I would take one. Yeah. So I'm going to trade out of just, this. Just, I'm going to trade out of this startup pick for a 23 first just, straight up. Yep. Just give me a round. I'm probably not doing it before seven round seven. I know people probably will go higher than that. I don't think I'm doing that, man. So we're talking like in seven, we're talking guys like Zeke at the running back position. That's where, that's where my line is. Cause yeah, exactly. Jacobs, uh, we're talking, uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Like those kinds. Wide receivers, we're talking Mike Evans, Keenan Allen in that range. Yeah, those guys are all trade for a 23 first. I think I'm I'm with you. Like, if you're going to tell me rounds four through six, would I take a random 23 first for any one of those guys? No. I highly doubt it because no. the, <laughs> I would need something else back, though. And I think that's where the, the 23 firsts are kind of getting a little bit Right, you you, th- you throw a second in, I'm fucking game. Like, right. hey, now we're talking. All right, you throw me a second or a nice dart, you know that I like. Yeah, like give me a, a Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I mean, because because in the sixth, it really depends too. Like, I'm not gonna draft some of these guys in the sixth that are going right. in the sixth. So I'm not gonna right. press the button on those guys. And in the sixth, I'm looking at like a David Montgomery type. I mean, yeah, I would take a 23 first for David Montgomery, honestly, but. When I'm at 608, I'm not pressing the button on David Montgomery. Right. So for me in the six, like there's guys that I'd prefer straight up to the 23 first, which is why for me in that round, like you, you you're gonna get my interest. You come to me, hey Adam, uh, what about I, I'm I want to go win now. Like this is I want this six round pick from you. I'll be like, okay, I'm intrigued, but I'm gonna need at least something else to kick it over. Otherwise, I'm just gonna take this player one for one. Right, because there's so many players that go just after the six, right, that we would move up in our own personal ranks. Yep. That I don't know if I'm accepting just a random first floor. Like, I, I think of Darnell Mooney. If somebody came to me today and was like, I want your Darnell Mooney for my random mid to late 23 first, like, I'm going to think about it, but the answer 90% of the time is going to be go fuck yourself. Like, what else are <laughs> you giving me? I mean, I need I'm, something. I'm looking at this ADP right now, too, Dynasty Juniors. First of all, 702 is Gibson. Um, which is, that's how bad the hate's getting. Holy Mike, shit. I know you love this. Uh, 701, Elijah Moore. Those guys I'm not trading a 23 first for. Um, but there are some guys, you know, in this round that I would be per- more than comfortable. And in the seventh round, I think it's a, basically the spot for me. It, that's where I'm going to probably take a 23 first straight up. In the sixth, I'm definitely considering it, but I think I would need a kicker of some kind. Otherwise, I'd rather just take... Like, you know, I'm looking at Elijah Moore. I'll take him. Uh, I'm looking at Rashad Bateman. I'm going to take him. Um, Traylon Burks. Uh, so there, there's a, there's plenty of guys in the sixth round for me that I would rather have straight up to a mid to late 23 first. So. Fucking A. I agree with you, man. That's where I was at. I just wanted to pose it. Hopefully out there, you guys are kind of in the similar bar, ballpark. But, I mean, when it's getting up to the fourth round, I think we're way out over our skis on the 23 class. I mean, like every time I've every time that's been an opportunity is not me selling it. I bought into fourth round startup picks for a straight up twenty three first before, and I'm happy to do that. At that point, you are kind of picking your direction, but you do know, you pe- really have to though? You don't have to, but you kind of. When I send away my twenty three first, you don't have to by any means. But a lot of times when I do that, I'm starting to think what I'm doing with my team. The fourth round, you don't have to pick a direction, but a lot of times if I'm moving my twenty three first, yeah, I'm thinking. This, this is a team I want to contend with. I get it. All right, well, we're going to bounce out of here. That's going to do it for us. I appreciate you tapping in. This is coming out Friday morning early. So if you're around the expo this week, come fucking say hi. Come walk up to us, say hi. 
Uh, we stand out like a sore thumb. One of us is six four, the other one's three hundred fucking pounds. So the odd couple. The the uh the big grizzly beard. We got uh yeah. Mike and myself. You, if you miss us, you're gonna have a hard time doing so because uh <laughs> it's gonna be some weird weird Midwest wild looking dudes. So um, we appreciate you guys tapping in again. Just be careful about selling JK for too low of a return. I'm not opposed to selling JK at all, but think about what realistically you think he's going to project to be, what you think with this late first is really going to project to be if you keep the pick or how you plan to use it in the future. Just make, sure, just make sure you're thinking your thought process through and that it's sound before you just panic and sell J.K. Dobbins for something that maybe is not the correct return. So that's all we got for you today. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. Son of a bitch, it sounds better in person. It's going to do it. We're out of here. Peace. Peace. Peace.